Nine o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Jim along with Cake today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Got a lot of text to get to. It's been a really good text morning this morning. It has. Let's get to one from uh, Coach Crab out at Fruit, assistant coach out there, Brett. Also officiates as well. A shout out to all the traveling sports teams and officials uh, heading you know all over the place this weekend. Be safe. Uh, be safe and have safe travels. Thanks to the team for all you do for Western Slope Sports. Well, thank you, Brett. Appreciate that. He also, I agree. I have talked to a lot of college and pro football, former and current players, and they all say their kids would not start until they were at least in ninth grade. Soccer at one point was the number one sport for youth concussions. Also on that list, cheerleading. I can see it. Mike in Scottsdale, listening on the mobile app today. I would see. I would advise Jimmy Harbaugh to take this opportunity to go back to the NFL. Sincerely, Pete Carroll. No kidding. And he referenced your list. No one on that list that you read interests me. I like Dan Quinn a lot, though. I see. I don't. I am. I'm not all sold on old Danny Quinn. I think if it's Quinn and Brian Schottenheimer who worked with Russ previously. I, I would be okay with that. I, I think that would be a good combination of, of somebody that, that's been a head coach, has had, had success, and then also failure in the league, and that's why he hasn't been a coach in a while. But he was a finalist for the job last time around. Right. Schottenheimer and and Wilson, some of Wilson's, when Russ was cooking, Schottenheimer was his OC. So that makes some sense in, in regard to that relationship. We'll see if that's where they go. I, I just think that right now it's, I won't say it's Harbaugh or bust, but I think the Broncos are very much into getting Harbaugh with the relationships there with uh, Greg Pinner and his wife, Carrie, during the time back at Stanford, right. Condoleezza Rice's relationship with him, that that's the guy they want. And now with these Michigan violations, which are tied directly to him, could necessitate, him getting out of Dodge, getting out while the getting's good. I think, well, Sean Payton's probably number two on the list right now. I think it's he's only number two because of what he's accomplished. He's going to be on everybody's radar once Monday rolls around. And we were hit with Black Monday. And perhaps the Broncos, they, they did make the right decision two weeks ago in, in canning Hackett to get ahead of things. Right. And and we'll see how, how it pays off if they get their guy, if, if Harbaugh is their guy. I just think in the case of Peyton, and I saw where you know, the last time I had a coach trade was John Gruden with the Raiders and the Bucks. I mean, they sent a couple of first-round picks to get him and – and the Broncos don't have that draft capital right now. They just don't. Getting getting rust was was costly. And and we'll see ultimately if it you know as of right now it doesn't look like it was a it looks like it was a terrible trade. Hopefully that will maybe change moving forward. But certainly I I think right now that it's it's Sean Payton's kind of the yeah if we can get him we'll talk to him if Harbaugh doesn't work out. But who's number three? Is it Dan Quinn? I think it probably is Dan Quinn. 
I, I still feel like Frank Reich deserves more consideration than what he's getting here. Right. Would I rather have Frank Reich over Dan Quinn? Yeah, I think I would. I think I would too. But if it is Schottenheimer with Dan Quinn, that to me is the caveat. A guy that Russ knows, they've had success together in the past, that that makes sense. And Dan Quinn is a defensive coordinator, does a hell of a job. That means, I mean, what does that mean for Jiro Vero? Would he want to stay on to be the D.C.? Would, would, he, you know, would he be okay with having somebody like Dan Quinn kind of being very involved in his side of the football? Right. Now, I don't I don't have the answer to that. I'll tell you this, uh, and you referenced how he's going to be on the show Monday, Benjamin Albright. He uh, has been hearing that there's a, there is a rumor floating around about the possibility of the Dolphins one and dunning with Mike McDaniel. Now, this is just a rumor. There's nothing really strongly basing this rumor. I just think that'd be re- why. Well, this is the same okay. Dolphins team that fired Brian Flores after they got them to the playoffs. But regardless, if the prospect of Mike McDaniel opens up, however random that would be, he would be my number one. Not just because of his connection to the Broncos, seeing as he's got a lot of family ties and he was a ball boy for the team once. He, he He's in that Shanahan umbrella. But, you know, up and until recently, and, you know, some of it was injury-related, but the way that he was able to elevate Tua Tungavailoa's game to the point where there was very, in my opinion, strong consideration for Tua to be in the, at the, you know, very early conversations of MVP until, you know, injuries piled up and the team started to falter a bit. But the way that he was able to do that was nothing short of amazing. And if he can do that to Tua, imagine what he can do with someone like Russell Wilson. Yeah, I just think, wow. Now, again, if you, if you fire him, I, I just I just don't get if you're the Dolphins. So let's hit the reset button again with a guy that because I know, have you on the you have this team on the cusp of being a playoff team and you've had to do it with without your quarterback, without your starting quarterback at, at times this season. The only thing that would be quote unquote fueling this rumor would be if the Dolphins had again tried to get Sean Payton. And if that's the case, we'll see. You know, I mean, because I think part of the whole reason the Dolphins even got in trouble in the first place was because they were trying to go after Payton. Right. And now, now some of this, too, you mentioned Albright, but uh, Armando Soguero that works for OutKick, who's a Dolphin, he's a longtime Dolphins reporter, he's the guy that's saying that Mike McDaniel and Chris Greyer, Josh Boyers on the staff, that if the Dolphins lose to the Jets and miss the playoffs and they go from being an 8-3 team to 8-9 team, um, that, that Stephen Ross may make that move. I just think after one year, boy. That's tough. I, I just <laughs> just think that that's, that's a, a really awful decision 
And if McDaniel gets fired, do the Broncos look at him and go, okay, well, um, it's not going to be Harbaugh. Harbaugh doesn't work out for whatever reason. The price to pay to get Sean Payton's too high. Here's a young coach who who has league experience now. He's got a year under his belt. And some of these things in Miami have, with injuries, particularly to Tua, have beyond his, been beyond his control. Would they view Mike McDaniel as a, a guy that has ties to the state, obviously, as you referenced? Mm-hmm. Would they view him as a possible candidate? That, that that's that's interesting. That's going to be intriguing if they make that move after one year, where he had them, you know, right there in the playoff conversation, pretty much throughout the course of the season. After one year, to, he's gone. And would Denver take a hard look at Mike McDaniel? That's interesting. These are some of the odds. And again, our future guest Monday, Benjamin Albright, tweeting this out about some of the uh, odds makers' chances for who's going to be the Broncos' next head coach. Harbaugh leads at plus 200, about 33.3%, what they call implied chance. Dan Quinn, plus 250. And here's a name we haven't talked about, Daryl Bevel. Buckeye has brought up Daryl Bevel, who's previously worked with Russ Mm. as his OC. Uh, Was there the Super Bowl years? That could be a name. That that would be interesting. It's never been a head coach. Which is the thing that probably scares the living daylights out of. And what's the thing that Greg Pinner said the other day, and George Payton echoed this, we're not bringing in a coach to be Russ's coach. So could I see Daryl Bevel maybe coming to Denver as his OC for somebody? Sure. I, I could see that. I don't know if it, it depends. Once again, are they are they going to stick with what they've said, which is we're hiring a head coach to be the coach of the Denver Broncos and establish a culture here and be involved in all three facets of the game. That would that would be Jim Harbaugh. That would be to a you know, to a certain extent Dan Quinn, certain Sean Payton. I know Daryl Bevel. What's again a guy that's not been a head coach in the league. Uh, he he was the interim for Jacksonville. An interim, but not but not a a full time head coach. Right, Jacksonville's interim, but has not been a a head coach in the league. Hired and was there from the start to the to the final day. Tell you what, though, he'd be an interesting choice because right now he's the passing game coordinator and the quarterbacks coach in Miami. Yeah. So if if Maybe. the this speculative Mike McDaniel chatter is to be believed, that would be, I I would go a number one choice, Daryl Bevel for offensive coordinator next year. I'm just not, even though you said he's has some experience, he's the interim coach in Jacksonville. I just don't, but he's not been a head coach. No. It's like Jerry Rossberg now. Okay. Well, so is Jerry Rossberg a candidate because he's, and he's been, you know, he's they, they played much better last Sunday. If they win this Sunday or at least play well, well, no, Jerry Rosberg's not going to be the head coach of this team. Well, I hope Jerry Rosberg ends up on the staff because I think they could use him special teams coordinator. I agree. If that's what he wants to do, if it's not a case where, I mean, he was retired and, okay, I'll come back and do this this gig for this season. But I, you know, I, the, the, some of the names on the list I thought were kind of funny on there too. Pete Carroll. On the list of odds that you had? Oh, yeah, plus 15,000, a seven-tenths of a percent chance. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. I like Shannon Sharp on there, too. 
Yeah. Um, also, on the on the subject of Jerry Rosberg maybe potentially being in the running for Broncos head coaching, need I remind folks in Broncos country, the last time the the Denver Broncos hired a sixty plus year old longtime coordinator who had never been a head coach before, and look how that played yeah. out. But I will say this about Jerry Rosberg, as opposed to Vic Fangio, you you get a sense that the Jerry Rosberg cares about the people, the players on his team, regardless what side of the ball they're on. Or Vic, you just never got a sense that, I mean, a lot of guys talked about he was very aloof and the, the, the players like Rosberg and Rosberg likes them. He seems like a very kind, thoughtful, caring guy, a very smart guy. I know Crockett Gilmore that is on the CMU football staff played for Jerry Rosberg in Baltimore. And when we talked with Crockett about him, just you know, had nothing but but wonderful things to say about Jerry Rosberg. He just seems like a really good guy. I'm you know, 67. He's not the guy that's going to be your head coach. No. But with what we've seen him do in just a brief period of time in Denver, some of the changes that he's made, and the Broncos played better because of it, would be would be I think a great get if you can convince Jerry Rosberg to still be with this team in some capacity in 2023. Worth uh, noting, actually, uh, just real quick, Daryl Bevel has actually also been an interim head coach in Detroit. That's so right. He was he was the Lions interim for a while. He yeah. has a two and seven head coaching record across two interim jobs. Well, so. at, least, at least he's been a head, I guess, put this way, at least he's been a head coach at some point in time in his career. Uh, quick reminder tomorrow, by the way, we'll have an NFL double header for you. Kansas City at the Las Vegas Raiders. Coverage starts at two tomorrow. And then the battle for the AFC South tomorrow night. Jacksonville playing host to Tennessee. So that's a big one tomorrow night. Kickoff at 6.15. Both those games can be heard tomorrow right here on the Team Sports Network. Uh, Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to preview the Maverick basketball weekend. I want to get to some texts this morning going from RJ and Delta. Uh, Reports have Harbaugh saying that he wants to remain in Michigan for 2023, but you know he has said this before. And as we mentioned, RJ, the violations that are headed his way and the, the program's way could have an impact on that too. Uh, yeah, Harbaugh said, you know, said that he he want, he wants to remain. Now, see, how, it's always how it's phrased, right? It's how it's worded. Mm-hmm. He wants to remain at Michigan. There's always some subtext. They got that, that, that's not. I'm staying. I'm here. We built something. We're a playoff contender back-to-back years. I am committed to getting Michigan a national championship. I am here in 2023. You're hearing, I'd like to remain there. That opens that, that that's that gives you a lot of wiggle room. Well, I, I wanted to stay there, but just you know, the offer was too good from Denver or Carolina or whatever. Yeah, I'm he might be saying that. That doesn't mean that he's going to stay there. Well, hey, and uh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, think about this too. There was another quote that he had somewhere around that said that he wanted to sort of in that he would enthusiastically return to Michigan. But as we've pointed out, it's uh, so the the tweet I have here from, again, Benjamin Albright. Michigan put out a tepid statement that contained exactly zero definitive language 
If Harbaugh wanted to say that he's definitely staying, he's had two chances this week. And, and he's he not. not said anything <laughs> definitive. Well, yeah, maybe it'd be kind of cool if I stay. It might be kind of fun. I, I've learned to, learned to like Ann Arbor. And I, I just, yeah, he, he's not given the, I'm staying and I'm not going anyplace else. He hasn't said that. I got a text from Andy. Debilitating injuries can happen anywhere. A friend of mine, the athletic director at Alamosa High School, passed away Tuesday after fall at his home. He was 53. Live life. And I know Andy and, and his brother Mick, they have a lot of, a lot of ties. You know, they're from Alamosa. Mm. And, uh, of course, he's refer- re- referencing Eric Melgoza, uh, who we talked with Rob Ames about, Delta Panthers coach, uh, since Delta plays at Alamosa tomorrow at uh, just a, a horrible, horrible accident. Uh, at Eric Melgoza's home on New Year's Day, where he's on a ladder, fell off the ladder, sustained a, a traumatic head injury, was uh, airlifted to Denver, and and sadly died over there, just the age of fifty three. So, it's uh, it's been a week where sports have taken a back seat to some of these these things that have gone on. Demar Hamlin and now uh, Eric Melgoza. As well, and Andy, I, my my condolences to you, Likewise. Uh, and 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 the folks in Alamosa as well uh, about his passing. Uh, Rich with a text today, when discussing the risk involved in playing contact sports, consider the fact that how many teenagers die in auto accidents due to distracted driving and/or alcohol and drugs. Just for perspective, something to consider. Hundred percent. See what else we've got here. Oh, uh, let's see. I think we got one. I think, we, we, I think we're pretty much caught up on see most. See the one from uh, Rick? I have not yet. Uh, Rick uh, tweeted, er, tweeting, texting. I think it was dangerous for Higgins to let Magnum drive the Ferrari. What do you guys oh. think about the enemy? <laughs> so, two things. One, excellent uh, reference there. And the uh, enemy is always brought up, but I, I feel like that's one of those weird things where we always get back to how much of the offensive play calling and control does he really have and how much chicken or egg with him and Andy Reid, right with Andy Reid, And then also you just get the feeling that if he was so close to being ready to be a head coach, he would have been a head coach by now. And you just, you know, plus again, with the way the Broncos are at, there are some teams where you go, okay, you need a new start. You need a fresh start. You need new ideas. You can hire a guy that's never been a head coach before at the NFL level, like an Eric Bieniemy, if it's part of a sort of maybe long-term plan or or even just a, we need a fresh start. We need new face, new blood, inject new blood into the system. And that's when you can hire a guy like an Eric Bieniemy for your team for the Broncos they're not looking for that they're looking for experience they're looking for you know and maybe retreads not the right word but but they're looking for somebody that has head coaching experience to guide this team that knows what they're doing that knows operations that knows the NFL better than somebody whose only experience was position coach or coordinator I think in the case of the enemy too, that, I mean, how much damage, you know, in the past, I mean, his, his resume in the NFL level 
is, is obviously very impressive with what he's done with Kansas City. But then again, like you reference, how much of that is Andy Reid and his influence? And Andy right. Reid says, "Look, Eric Bieniemy is one of the you know the smartest, brightest offensive minds that I know. A lot of this is him, and and I have to take Andy Reid at his word for that." But then you go back to the debacle with him and John Embry at the University of Colorado, right? When they got the band back together to try to, you know, restore the roar in the Flatirons, and it and it didn't work out. And the enemy was part of that, and and he played a very prominent role along with John Embry in guiding the program at that point in time. And, and so, I I don't I don't know how to read Eric Bieniemy on on whether or not Eric Bieniemy is is a, a guy capable of being a head coach. We're not going to know until we, we he gets the opportunity. He probably has built he's built up enough of a resume that he deserves that opportunity. I don't know if it's in Denver at this point in time. Right. But I I do believe that he he deserves the chance to be a head coach in this league. I just tell I still have some reservations about him as a head coach, particularly where where the Broncos are right now. Agreed. Let's see. We've got one from Robert. It seems to me that Ralphie only works six days a year. What's up with that? Okay, well, Ralphie works more than that. Ralphie goes to pep rallies, and Ralphie does more than six days a, a year. It's hard work out there for a Buffalo, you know? It's, it's tough to find a gig as a Buffalo. But Ralphie's got a pretty good gig, though. I mean, does Ralphie work, you know, 100 days a year? Uh, probably not. Ralphie's got a pretty good gig in that regard. But I think Ralphie does work more than than six days in a calendar year. All right. We'll, we'll take a break. We'll come back. 922, and that's referencing Coach Prime and the, oh, yeah. the discussion about his fear of Ralphie running him over when he takes the field. Stampeding him. Yeah, stampeding poor, poor uh, Deion Sanders when he uh, leads the buffs onto the field. All right, 922. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Colorado Mesa basketball, a Shadron State tonight. Colorado Christian tomorrow. We'll look uh, at those games. Also coming up, we'll have the stay in sports history. Still time to text or call in today. Oh, we have our football picks as well. Got football picks coming up. Yes. That'll be next. Text or call us on the Jim Davis Show, 970-242-1340. Yeah, I think they're like the best on the radio. At least at the pro level, the best of the best. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back. Jim along with Cake today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. Most trusted name in automobiles. All right. Time for our picks today. And gracing us right now with his presence. Though it's it's been a rough week for the papacy. <laughs> with, of course, the the passing of the, the retired Pope, the Pope Emeritus. But in my opinion, this guy is the Pope Emeritus. Oh, yeah. Juan Petey Pope. Good morning, Petey. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you this wonderful Friday morning? I think we're doing okay. Are you, You're back at work, right, since you're not in here with us. Yes, right? I am. I'm back at work. Grinding. Safety data sheets and chemical safety, my man. Ugh. You eat that stuff up like a kid loves candy, though, right? That's your, Oh, yeah, that's your man. Baby. Look, anytime you're doing safety for kids, man, you take it personal. You That's that's what I'm here for. The only reason I have a job is because we got cheerings. 
That's, that's right, because they tend to do, well, some some kind of silly things on occasion. Yes, they do. Yeah, I'm, I'm being kind by saying the word silly. <laughs> Flat out <laughs> stupid sometimes. Okay, I'll just be that's blunt. That's why they need me. That's why they, they we need you on that wall at least for one <laughs> one more year, right? There you go, buddy. All right. You want uh, me on that wall. You need me on that need wall. need me on that wall. <laughs> it's code red. That's nice. Uh, so, uh, what, uh, how did we do last week? So last week was interesting because we actually, we had the Bills Bengals game as one of the picks and that we'll take, kick that, it out. So we only really had a five game slate last week and we didn't have an NBC grand rando last week. No, we and, did not. We don't, we don't today either. So, uh, we all got Clemson wrong for the orange bowl. We all got Georgia, right? We were split Jim and Rio correct on picking TCU myself and Petey. Not correct in picking Michigan. We all got the Ravens wrong. Sorry, Petey. And we all got yeah, the Chiefs right. right. So the uh, records, Jim and Rio were both three and two. Myself and Petey, we were two and three. Rio is still in first place. Jim is in second. Uh, Petey, you are in third. And you're, looks like, five or six. I think five games back of first. And I'm in fourth. And we still have the rando well in the caboose. And so I'm what two games behind him? Uh, you're one game behind. I'm him. One game behind him. Okay, so for we got some ground to make up here. So for Buckeye and myself, Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of your women. That is good. Uh, that that is good, but it feel a whole lot better for just me. But that's just, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I did not carry over the holiday sharing spirit when it comes to these kind of things. <laughs> All good. <laughs> All right, so here we go. It's time for our picks this week. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome! So, we start with a game that's actually going to be happening on Monday, but since it's the only college game left, we'll pick it first. TCU, Georgia. The line was 13 and a half. It dropped to 12 and a half yesterday. Georgia still heavily favored. Myself and the Buckeye boy picking Ugga. Petey, what say you? I'm taking the Bulldogs. Let's go Ugga, man. Let's get them in the hedges. Man, I I love TCU. I'd love, I'd love to see him win this football game. I love Max Duggan. I just, it's just hard to go against Georgia. I'm going to go with Georgia as well. All right, moving on to the Almighty Shield, a game we will have tomorrow on the Team Sports Network in a battle for the AFC South title. The Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who would Can have you believe thought? that? Who would have thunk it? Uh, not me. Not me, man. I, Especially after the way the Broncos handled the Jaguars. I'm like, no. But here we are. Things can change. Uh, Jacksonville is six and a half point favorite. I am taking the Jags. Rio's taking the Jags. Petey, who are you taking? I'm taking the Jags because uh, Tennessee has a backup quarterback and uh, long-haired dude is not playing too bad at football, man. He's doing pretty good for his uh, second year. For a moment, I was confused. I was thinking, okay. Tennessee doesn't have a It's Joshua Dobbs. <laughs> oh, you're talking he has no, no I'm Trevor talking Lawrence. about the Jacksonville quarterback from Clemson, man. It's like Joshua Dobbs doesn't have long hair. What are you talking about? Yeah, Trevor Lawrence does, though. <laughs> Come on now. He's a handsome you gotta man. got to keep up, Jim. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is a handsome man, by the way. 
Yes, he is. And he's a good quarterback. He's developed uh, rather nicely under Doug Peterson. Yep. Uh, I've, I've got to go with the Jags in this one. I mean, Dobbs didn't play horrible last time out, but it makes you wonder, uh, Malik Willis, if they made a mistake there. But Not anyway. ideal. But anyway, I, I like the Jags in this one. And, you know, trading away A.J. Brown doesn't help either. Uh, does not help at all. All right, Petey, we picked your Ravens last week. We're doing it again oh this God. week. Please don't. Oh. No. Really, no, no. Ravens at the Bengals in Cincinnati. The uh, Bengals are a touchdown favorites, even seven points. I hate to break the news to you, Petey, but Rio and myself are both taking the Bengals in this one. Hey, dude, I'm taking the Bengals myself. <laughs> they They got... Tyler Hundley against Joe Barrow, that's not even close, my man. And uh, I'm in it. I can't even win it, but I'm still in it. But you can, uh, I'm going to go with the Bengals, man. There's no way the Ravens win this game. Oh, come on, man. You got, you got ground to gain. Come on. Don't you believe in your team? Come on. Come on. Uh, I believe in my team, but I'm a realist. <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm Give me some Bengals as well. Joe Cool and the Bengals trying to talk me into it listen to you come on you gotta get, get, get <laughs> you're trailing here you gotta you gotta be aggressive be, be a no little risky way. no way i don't want to go farther back behind i'll be in the nbc grando yeah. <laughs> those right. guys all right next up this is uh i think an interesting one depending on who's quarterbacking for philadelphia that being said giants at the eagles philly is a two touchdown favorite and even 14 points, Rio and myself taking the Eagles. Petey? I'm still going to take the Eagles. I think they got enough to cover beating the Giants, and uh, I'm going with the Eagles. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with the Eagles in this one, too. Now, I have not heard if they're going to – is, is Hurts they, back they, yet? They, they, the expectation is that he will play. Okay. There you go. Who hurts? Yeah, Jalen Hurts, yeah. All right, now this game could be interesting because if Seattle wins, then it's basically meaningless. But if Seattle loses, Green Bay and Detroit could be a playoff-determining game. Lions at the Packers in Lambeau Sunday night football. Green Bay a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Myself and Rio, we are taking the Lions. Dan Campbell and the biting of the kneecaps. Petey, who are you taking? You know, the Lions are actually a very impressive, surprising team. I thought they were going to be on the low end of the totem pole, but they've been playing really well. And what happened to the Packers last week? They just come out and beat up on the on, – I don't Minnesota. understand this. Yeah. But I'm going to go take – I'm taking the Lions. Taking the Lions, I think they've been more consistent in the, in the good category this year. I really like the Lions – Packers at home, though, in this one. I'm going to go with Green Bay. I, I, you know what? No one will blame you. That's, that's the reason they're favorites. Yeah, I, I just think I think Detroit's on the right path. I, I, I really like what they're doing right now, though the way Jared Goff has played, but I think Green Bay at home right now in this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Packers. All right, last and least, pregame at noon Sunday on the Team Sports Network. Denver hosting the L.A. Chargers for the season finale. This one moved. L.A. was a three-point favorite. It has swung the other direction. Denver is now a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. This is where we see our first split. I'm taking the Broncos. Rio's taking the Chargers. Petey, who are you taking? 
San Diego. Oh, no, they're in L.A. No, Superchargers. <laughs> Rancho I'm thinking of Superchargers. <laughs> Superchargers. The Chargers. Yeah, man, they're my second favorite team. We may even be facing each other in the playoffs. It could be Ravens Chargers in the playoffs. I mean, uh, well, then what are you going to do? Going for the Ravens. Well, know. I've never I've never seen you wear Charger gear, so No, I don't wear Charger gear. No, 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 no. no. no, no. It's always Ravens gear. I got to stay true to my colors, man. It's it's called gang, gangster, gangster. Okay. Purple. <laughs> so, do, do hey, do the Ravens have anything like Bills Mafia? Is there anything kind of like a cool name? For the, for no, the, they're like mostly Nation. known as the flock. Oh, the flock. And because okay. of Edgar Allan Poe and oh, yeah. the Ravens, that's basically how they got their name from Edgar Allan Poe. His home is in Baltimore. Strange dude. He was an odd man. He was a very he odd, was an odd man. He bit was of a drug addict, a too, if I remember serves me correctly. Had a little bit of a problem with that, too. A little, <laughs> some, a little bit. Some mental health issues as well. Uh, it's, uh, it's probably going to be Chase Daniel. Probably. Because for the Chargers, they don't really. I mean, they they might as well rest some guys. And and Herbert you know, has been a little bit banged up. I'm I'm gonna go. Oh, what the heck! Oh, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I'll take the do Broncos to wrap it up with a win coming up on Sunday. There you go. There you uh, go. Noon pregame, two twenty-five kickoff. Broncos and the Chargers this Sunday on the team tomorrow. NFL doubleheader action starts at two o'clock on the team. PD, I appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a good weekend, and we'll uh, talk next week. It'll be playoff time, huh? It will be playoff time. All right, take care, man. All right, have a good one. Bye. You too. Bye. All right, uh, there's the Pope. Disappears in a puff of smoke. Okay, a couple of uh, NFL-related things to get to. Uh, Some more good news on uh, DeMar Hamlin. I believe that we had uh, the report earlier. The the breathing tube has been removed. He's been able to talk with family and doctors. And he also joined on FaceTime his teammates and told them, love you boys. So more really good news in regard to uh, DeMar Hamlin really, really good. and uh, his recovery. So we, we talked about this a little bit top of the 8 o'clock hour. We wanted to, to kind of wrap it up here uh, in regard to the situation that the owner's going to vote today on the specific protocol for playing postseason games with the various AFC teams based on the cancellation of the Week 17 game with the Bills and the Bengals. And and Mike Florio has written a piece about this. And so some, according to him, have expressed curiosity and confusion as to why the owners have to be involved in this process. The proposed solution, possibility of a neutral site AFC championship and a coin flip to determine the location of a potential wildcard game between the Ravens and Bengals if the Ravens beat the Bengals on Sunday violates the plain terms of the NFL's policy manual for member clubs game operations 2022 edition. So the relevant language is this from page a 78 under the category of emergencies and unfair acts and the specific rule entitled competitive policy for cancel games. If a game is canceled, a team standing in its division or its conference uh, qualification as a wild card in the playoffs for position and playoff seating shall be determined on the basis of its final record. When necessary, playoff tiebreakers shall be calculated according to per game average for all teams. So it's essentially seating is based on a winning percentage end of story. There's no neutral sites, there's no coin flips, none of that stuff. So the owners are involved because they're changing the rules during the season. 
the NFL in the past, they, they hate to change the rules during a, a given season, according right. to Florio. In this case, for all the discussion and haggling and brainstorming or whatever, the previously determined answer was hiding in plain sight. Fair enough, the NFL has developed a procedure that applies following the cancellation of games. And so they're going to consider changing that policy today. So the question becomes, and, and Florio asks it, and I think it's a, a fair question to ask. Why? Right. You have a policy in place. Why are you doing this? It's on winning percentage. Somehow, someway, apparently somebody lobbied enough and felt like this they needed to have some kind of vote on this and examine it to be fair to everybody. To be fair. Or to fair to whoever. There's something going on in the in the background on this that, that led to this decision to have this vote today. Because it's there. It's it's already in the policy. What I'm most confused by is the fact that, besides the fact that you have a written policy, is this your answer to the question of, you know, should we have canceled the game? Because you can't have it both ways. Because if there was, if you know, if the league determination, and I don't know if there was any input from the owners about the cancellation of the game outright. I think that just came I yeah, probably s- yeah straight from Goodell. And so is this the owners kind of pushing back on Goodell saying, "Well, you you never consulted with us about canceling the game outright. So now we're going to make we're going to have this vote on a rule change cuz we didn't get to f- decide about canceling the game like i don't get it i don't get why this has to be a thing now if you have a this is why we have rules that's why you have a procedure this way of protocols this is why you have you know you have it laid out in in what they have in this year's edition of their their rule book and if look or procedures book if you don't like the rule now come back at the owners meetings in March or April or wherever, when you get together regularly and say, hey, let's go over this policy. Let's go over this rule because, and especially, and you would think that after everything the league went through with COVID and how they were able to play all the games and they had to reschedule and, you know, kind of Tuesdays and Wednesdays on a few occasions, you know, they kind of kind of hack it a little bit with how they handled that but ultimately there was always that risk of games getting canceled i don't know if this policy was implemented as a result of that or if this came before but either way you would think after something like that why would you not resort to what you already have you have it in the rule book or in the guidelines whatever you have it's written down in official nfl letterhead why this change? And again, I think it's because if I had to guess, if I had to speculate, my guess would be it's got something to do with the owners wanting to flex some sort of power over Goodell. Yeah, my, my question, yeah, exactly. And, and so who in the background was saying, oh, we, we've got to have a vote on this. This is, we can't just make it, it can't be just winning percentage. And we get it. It's already, it, it's in our procedures for this year. It just doesn't seem right. I mean, who's pushing for this? To, to have this vote today to decide some other way of dealing with 
the cancellation of Bills Bengals. I uh, there's got to be somebody in the background that that was pushing for this. Yeah. Because I think everybody, I think the Bills and the Bengals would have said, okay, yeah. In light of what's happened, there's the if the winning percentage is how it's laid out in in this year's you know procedure guidelines of, of dealing with a canceled game, first regular season canceled game since 1935. Right. We can live with that. That's what the rule is. That's the procedure. We're okay with that, unless there's somebody with the Bengals and Bills that said no we, we don't think this is fair we don't think this is right we need to play we, we didn't get to play the game there's got to be some other way uh, i mean if it's is it the Bengals, i don't know because like, i don't think the bills i think their their thoughts are elsewhere and i don't think it doesn't really impact them like it does potentially cincinnati but we're not hearing that though no or is it like you said or is it just simply a case owners well we didn't get to have a chance to say on this we need to we need to we should be involved in this you know, decision in regard to how we handle this. I don't know. It's um It's a mess. It's, it's unnecessary. And it's an it's unnecessary. Stupid and it's unnecessary. Then why why do you have a you know, procedure book if you will, things in place if you're not going to abide by those? I can think of multiple examples just in life in general of moments where something and you know by comparison it's not to the to the extent of the national football league but there have been times where either someone i know like you know parents or friends or colleagues where they've come to me and they've said boy this you know whatever situation there's a rule for it we have a guideline we have an instruction and somebody else comes in and says well, is it really the best way? Should we actually do it this way? Uh, we should hold a vote. We should do this. We should stupid. You make a rule. You make a rule, and you, you and then and then next season, if you feel like it's unfair, right? Then then you address it. Then it's it's ridiculous. All right, nine forty five. We'll have a quick preview of the Maverick games coming up this weekend. We'll also have uh, garbage time as well. But uh, time right now for... That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. Go to 1951. The Indianapolis Olympians beat the Rochester Royals 75-73 in six overtimes. The longest game in NBA history. 1976, Ted Turner, millionaire communications exec and internationally known yachtsman, buys the Atlanta Braves for reported 10 to 12 million dollars 1980 the los angeles rams behind three field goals from frank corral beat the tampa bay bucks nine to nothing to win the nfc championship this is the first conference championship game in league history without a touchdown being scored 1980 the pittsburgh steelers advanced their fourth super bowl since 1974 by eliminating houston for the second consecutive year with a 27 to 13 win we'll take a break and we'll come back with more on the jim davis show on the team sports network Craptastic. That's just crap. Uh, The team presents the Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back. Jim and Kate coming up Monday. We'll have Benjamin Albright from 850KOA Broncos Insider with us. Get his thoughts on the Broncos coaching search. Also, Ryan Voringer, Montrose boys basketball coach, scheduled to join us on Monday along with Central Girls coach Mary Doan. All right, Maverick basketball tonight and tomorrow. 
uh, at Brownson Arena. Maverick women's basketball team picked up their second conference win last weekend. Uh, they downed uh, New Mexico Highlands 68-63. to Mavs are now 3-10 and overall, 2-5 and in conference play. They host Shadron State tonight, Colorado Christian tomorrow. As far as the Eagles, they're paced by Shayla Powers. She's averaging nearly 18 points per game. She's uh, the third leading scorer in the RMAC right now. Mavs head coach Taylor Wagner says Powers leads a very dangerous Eagles team. She is a tough guard, really athletic, moves well without the ball. It's another scary team. You know, they beat Highlands by 30 points. They could beat anybody, and we've got to be ready for them. Tomorrow night, it's Colorado Christian. Uh, tonight, it's on the Team Sports Network. Tomorrow night, 1100 KNZZ for Maverick Basketball. Colorado Christian, they said just ahead of the Mavericks in the RMAC standings. They're 6-7 and seven right now. Both teams are 2-5 and five in conference. And Colorado Christian doesn't feature just one player leading the way every night as nine different players have led the team in scoring in 13 games. Mavs head coach Taylor Wagner says a handful of Cougars can carry the load on a given night. We've got five or six girls that have all had big games for them. They kind of share the ball. Every night it's a different player that can really push the ball and attack us. Both nights, our coverage starts at 5.15 tonight on the team. Tomorrow night on 1100 KNZZ. The Maverick men, they have a big test when they host Shadron State tonight. The Eagles are one of three teams in the RMAC that's in the top five in both scoring offense and defense. They possess the second-best defensive field goal percentage in the conference as well as the second-best three-point shooting percentage on offense. Mavs head coach Mike DeGeorge says the Eagles cause fits on both ends of the court. They really defend, and then they run dribble drive on offense. So they just kind of stretch out and quick guards that can really uh, drive it in there and put a lot of pressure on you not to foul them. And, and then they just have a little bit more offensive punch this year. So the Maverick men have Shadron State tip off at 7.30 tonight. Tomorrow night, it's Colorado Christian. Mavericks uh, took a wins away from a Cougar squad that was outside the top 10 both scoring offense and scoring defense last season. And they only won eight games last year this year. Cutter Christian, they're seventh in defense. They're already six and seven. CMU head coach Mike DeGeorge says the Cougars, uh, pardon me, need to get to, uh, I think I already did. Sorry, I did not, uh, we did talk about Shadron State. Pardon me, I got I got lost in my script here. All good. Mavericks and Cutter Christian tomorrow night. Mike DeGeorge says the Cougars are a much more competitive team than last year, even if the results aren't there yet. They had three dynamic guards last year, and they really struggled to defend. One is back, but they've added more size and they've added more athletes. They are a more competitive team this year because they are better defensively, and they're very well coached. So the Mavericks take on Shadron State tonight, Cutler Christian tomorrow night. Uh, both nights tip off at 7.30 on uh, the team tonight and tomorrow night, 1100 KNZZ. Mavericks right now with the second-longest winning streak in the conference at five games. Black Hill State, they have yet to lose this season, the team Ooh. that the Mavericks lost to in last year's South Central Regional Championship game. All right, 9.52. And it's time to wrap it up, open up the lid, and hop in. It's garbage time. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. you have something you like to lead off with? Yeah, J.J. Watt uh, starting his retirement, you know, not necessarily tour because he's only got one game left, but receiving some gifts from fans who are appreciative of all of the years he's spent as a NFL player and ambassador for just being kind of a good guy. He received some fan mail today, a taxidermy badger. Okay. JJ uh, Watt got a, you know, cause he went to Wisconsin, went to Wisconsin. And yeah. so some, uh, some fans got him cool. a taxidermied badger. 
He says, quote, I've received a lot of wild fan mail over the years. This package that arrived today is certainly being added to the list. <laughs> no doubt about it. Remember when Vince McMahon got involved in the sexual misconduct scandal and he, oh, had to, he retired as the chairman and CEO of World Wrestling Entertainment? Oh, well, that retirement's over because uh, McMahon announcing yesterday he's back to day-to-day operations with WWE in order to fully capitalize on the upcoming media rights negotiations. The 77-year-old said he is asked to be reinstated as executive chairman of the board, along with board seats for former WWE co-presidents Michelle Wilson and George Berrios. And so that didn't last Vince long. McMahon is back. And finally today, have you seen the movie The Menu yet? I've heard it's good, but I have not seen it, no. Ralph Fiennes, who I think is a brilliant actor, Anna Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, yep. uh, Hong Chow, John Leguizamo, Judith Light. This is a great cast. It's about this very exclusive restaurant that people pay like close to two grand to go to. And Ralph Fiennes is the chef. It's supposed to be kind of a comedy. I didn't think it was that great. Oh, no. I, it's got a great cast, but I just did, did not. I mean, it it took a while to get going. And I'm like, okay, here we go. This is, okay, this is All what right. this is about. And I'm, All right. Now I'm getting this. And then I just... Maybe I need to watch it again, which I seldom do. It's not horrible, but I wouldn't have paid to go see it at the theater. No. If it wasn't already on HBO Max, I wouldn't have paid to see it. It's kind of a dark comedy. There's some kind of... Ralph Fiennes is really good in it. Anna Taylor-Joy is always a really really good actor, but um, I just wasn't wowed by it. But anyway, watch, judge for yourself. Bon appetit. Anyway, the menu. Back with you on Monday.